You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today is Nicole Brolin, Chief Product Officer. Nicole has led product teams for businesses such as Redbubble and Xero. Before that, she has spent 15 years at seek.com.au, where she progressed her career from Associate Product Manager all the way up to Chief Product Officer. And during all of this time as she's navigated her career, she found the time to complete a business degree and have a little baby boy, Benji. Welcome to the Product Edge, Nicole. Hi, thank you for having me. It's happy to be here. Thank you. Look, firstly, I really just want to thank you for taking the time to come on. As mentioned, you've recently had a baby too, so juggling work and motherhood. How are you finding this work and mum gig? It is uh, is challenging and it makes me reflect and hope that I was as understanding as I hope I, as I think I was to all past mums that I've had report into me. Um, it's tough. I think the biggest thing is knowing now you have this set number of hours outside of business hours that you can get anything done in. So I feel like all of a sudden you used to have time was a bit of a luxury and now it's like you have hours that you have to really specifically be ruthless on because um, a lot of your hours have gone to the baby now. Absolutely. And and what you said there, you know, I used to think that I had empathy for working parents and, and working mums that reported into me and that I was as understanding as I could be. But I think in hindsight, until you're in that situation, you really have no idea, do you, what they're going through and, and how real the, the juggle is? Absolutely. And especially if they have you know, um, if children that are sick or children that aren't sleeping or also if they don't have a huge amount of support around them, just how much of the load some families are doing and and therefore how switched on they're having to be all day at work and then immediately switch on into a completely different environment all night. Um, yeah, you do realise how much until you go through it, you potentially, yeah, you don't have full appreciation for it at the time. Absolutely. And look, there's there's a huge amount of focus in in tech around improving diversity and especially female representation at that C-suite. Do you have any tips for working mums um, and, and female leaders at that level returning to work from from parental leave? Oh, it's such a t- it's such an important one and such a tough one because it is hard. It is really hard when you're coming back, especially because when you're coming back into a C-suite role, um, those roles are incredibly critical to the business. And so the business needs you to come back into a pretty strong capacity. I think what's important is to set yourself up for success is to do the work around how you believe you want to make this work for yourself. What are the boundaries that you want to set? Because what I have found is companies want to support and they want to be flexible, but every situation is different and they don't know your dynamic in your situation. So in my case, for example, 
I really thought through what do I think is going to work well for our setup. I knew with the stage that the business was at that I didn't feel like I was going to be able to help the business achieve outcomes if I just had a day that I was not available at all. Like I just was four days and I wasn't contactable, et cetera. So I actually spoke to, you know, our CEO and I said, look, I want to take a day with my son, but also I don't think you can afford to have me out of the business for an entire day. So I'm very happy to have the day, but then work around his naps, for example. And so we came with that compromise. So then for my team, I don't feel absent because I'm still on Slack. I'm still there. I'm still chipping away at things. But every situation is different. And I think you do have to sit through and be clear on what you're asking and why to help that process along. And I think it's really important that you, one, make really clear what's important for your home life, but two, really think about what the business needs and make sure that when you're putting that view forward, you're representing both sides because it will be difficult for the business to support you if it feels like that you're thinking about things too much from your own perspective at the de- at the detriment of the business. Really good insights. And, and look, I could talk to you all day about this and we've had plenty of conversations about this working mum gig, but let's... Um, Let's move on to what we're actually going to discuss today, which is the current market conditions and how product leaders can ensure that their teams are focused on delivering tangible business values. So I guess we're all pretty aware of the current macro conditions, but let's just take a step back and and look at sort of what the traditional landscape has looked like for product folk. Um, can you share some insights on what, what that's looked like? Look, I think obviously the landscape has been different depending on the company that you're in, but realistically we've been in this environment of a lot of investment and a lot of money being put into the tech industry in general. And so how that has shown up, I think, for product folk is uh, a lot of people being brought into businesses or being brought into projects where it's about trying to invest for the future or taking strategic bets or, you know, doing all these sorts of things that are about future growth um, because businesses have had money and so they've tried to do the high value things in the short term as well as do things for the future and they've tried to, it's almost like we've tried to probably have it all a little bit. That's been the current environment and so How that shows up, I think, for product um, folk is it does mean that in that environment, in some cases, just things were a bit more relaxed around return on investment for engineering teams and what their output was. You could have long-running projects that um, the payoff was going to, the payoff was potentially, was there but potentially questionable on when you would get the payoff. Uh, And sometimes even that accountability around the payoff may have been a little bit more relaxed because businesses were just a little bit less concerned about about those levels of investment because there was more money around. Um, So everybody had more money. And so therefore, there's probably a little bit less rigor in some spaces is what I would say. Absolutely. Um, And I think sort of across all business, every area, you know, I'm certainly talking to engineering teams and I'm hiring consultants for Middleton Exec. And um, that there are obviously those pressures across all business at the moment with the, with the current conditions. How, how has that impacted 
the roles and responsibilities because you you mentioned there something that really stood out was around the accountability piece and and I think that's a big um, a really important point like when I'm talking to people probing on how they take accountability for the ROI or the results and outcomes that they're responsible for is that shifting within the the engineering and the product teams from your perspective I think it is. I think it is. And I think it's actually shifting in a good way. I actually think there's some positive shifts in this current environment because sometimes in in the past, historically, there was sometimes a bit of a, a, a gap between what the business is trying to achieve and the top line business metrics and then what the product and engineering teams are trying to do. In this environment, when you're trying to drive like every dollar matters, and you're trying to drive engineering teams making sure they're having real impact and in a lot of cases having shorter-term impact, the connection between the top-line results and what the teams are doing has to be really tight and really clear. And so what that comes down to is working with the product and engineering teams to be very clear on what they're doing and why, but also to work with them on running some kind of modeling or business case process so they can actually communicate back to the business what the return of investment is for the work that they're doing and being really clear on that. And I think that's a a rigor and an accountability that hasn't always been there or been ne- been needed. And there's actually some positives in in going through that process. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And do you think that rigor, like how is that that impacting people in their day to day, like are they um, are they feeling more pressure? Are they feeling more stressed? Are, are they looking then for, I hate to say, an easier ride somewhere else? But how do you think that's impacting people sort of day to day? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, realistically, being honest, it is creating more pressure. Absolutely, because I think people, individuals within teams, now know what the business is wanting and needing from them, and that creates a pressure. Now, some of that pressure can be really healthy, but I think it's a really fine line and you have to help the team try and keep it on the healthier side. So there is that element of pressure there. But I also think what it creates is clarity and focus that, to be honest, a lot of businesses have struggled with in previous years because historically, the challenge that the majority of organizations have always had is they want more than their resources can actually deliver. So you're always trying to jam more into roadmaps. You're always doing ands. And the the lesson I have learned time and time again is when you do that, everything goes slower. Context switching comes at a cost. You, If you're not careful with your capacity, Um, the whole system actually slows down. So you've got to be really careful. In these times, for businesses to realise the maximum ROI that they can out of product and engineering teams, the business itself and the executive team actually have to be clear on what matters most. And therefore, you then can filter that down working with product teams into how they can contribute to delivering on that. And in doing that, you actually separate what is second order and third order priorities from what is most important. So while there is pressure for sure, and I think different people are probably going to be handling that pressure in different ways, I personally think there's been a clarity and a focus that has come from this, from what we're going through 
that I actually think has been beneficial and I think is helpful to product and engineering teams because at the end of the day, we majority of us that are working in this space do it because we want to solve problems and we want to deliver real value. And so the clearer you can be on the value and the more focus you can have and just get on with it, the more you can actually achieve those things. I completely agree with that. I think having, you know, clarity on on your goals and 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 your mission and, and the priority is is fantastic. But as you mentioned, people respond differently to that. And, you know, certainly there might be people in teams feeling the pressure and and instead of taking that as a as a positive and, and channeling it, you know, they can experience sort of more negative emotions. How do you manage your teams through this shift and, and guide them to to be successful, I guess? Yeah, I think a lot of it is bearing that in mind and having a lot of really frequent conversations where you try to dig into this, both one-on-one and then as a group, because I think there's two things you've got to be mindful of. One is how individuals respond and how they're managing that stress. And I think for me, what I'm really conscious of is in this environment, a lot of people are walking, it's like walking a bit of a tightrope. You're just keeping it in order. And so you can see sometimes, like I've had examples where I can see sometimes where one of my team members has been pushed too far and you see it, you realize, oh, you're just keeping it all in in check. And then this one thing happened and this one thing kind of pushed you over the edge a little bit. And that was a sign of just how much we need to talk to you and get things back in order. So I think it's being really conscious of where different individuals are at. Being when you're talking about changes to priorities, urgency around things, one, making sure people really understand the why behind those things. I think you have to be really careful in this environment that it's you're not pushing for pushing's sake. I think people need to understand that if you're asking for something or if the business is pushing for something, that there is a real legitimate reason that sits behind that but also creating that space for a conversation so that they can give you their honest opinion about some of those things and respecting that. So if they say to you, this is too much and we actually can't do that within this time frame, for example, and they give you really great examples, actually take that on board. And it goes such a long way with teams if you respect that and actually back them up when those things happen and then in other instances where you can see that you have the the room and the space you do actually push a bit further so I think it's really navigating that carefully the other thing you have to I think we have to watch as leaders as well is everyone I'm I'm constantly fascinated by how people take what you say and the their interpretation of what you've said you know you can say the one thing to a group of 10 people and all 10 people heard the same thing, but they interpret it all in slightly different ways. And so in times like this, I think we have to be careful because what people hear is the business needs results. The business needs you to move quickly, you know, like move, move, move. You have to be careful and and pay attention to how people are interpreting that. The big thing I say to my team a lot is there's two things. One is this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is not a phase that is going to be over quickly. And so you shouldn't treat it like it's a quarter worth of work and then it goes away. And then because you run the risk of burning out if that's how you approach it. And so 
making sure that you are putting in your own personal boundaries, making sure that you are not over-indexing too much on work at the expense of your personal life, for example, is going to be important to keep you balanced. I think second is you need to watch how people are interpreting the, the current environment and the pressure in how they're running teams and how we're running rituals and how the work is actually getting done. So to give you some practical examples, sometimes what I've seen happen is because the business has asked us to move quickly, some leaders will go, for example, and they will strip back team rituals. They'll strip back team lunches because they say, we need to move quickly. We need to move, we need to strip out everything that's like not must have to delivering this particular scope. And again, that's okay if you're thinking about a sprint. If you're thinking about this one quarter of difficulty and then, you know, things go back to normal. But when you're in this environment that looks like we could be in this environment for a while, there's actually harm that comes from that running with that mentality for too long. And so I think it's helping teams to understand, yes, the business wants you to move quickly and, yes, we need ROI, but also we need teams that are still really productive. We need teams that have strong relationships and feel like they've got a space to speak up and to improve their processes as they're going through things. And so we have to be really careful that people don't prioritise speed and results over everything else because then you're going to have all these unintended consequences. Absolutely. And and you mentioned there something really interesting that's come up in a lot of conversations that I'm having lately is this phase. And, um, you know, I've heard people say, you know, can't wait to get through this and, and go back to the good old days. And and I know the market will pick up and, and you know, the tech layoffs will level out and, and there will be some return to, to, to better days, so to speak. But I also think, you know, businesses won't go backwards. You know, this renewed focus on ROI or, or moving fast, you know, that's there. And I think businesses will continue to have that. Um, it, what, what's your take on that, Nicole? I think this is a rebalancing. I think this is a rebalancing that has been needed because, you know, we've looked at it for a while about the explosion in the tech industry. And a lot of that explosion was done more on market valuations than on profitability. And so you knew at some point factors were going to force that to recalibrate. And I think that's what we're in the middle of now. And so I think you're right. I think what we recalibrate to is a new normal. And so for product professionals and for engineering teams, it's us working out what is that new normal for us. And I do agree with you. I think what's going to be important is this ROI is going to continue to be important. There's the rigor around the decisions and the delivery, et cetera, is going to be really important. And working out how we give businesses a level of confidence and in some cases a level of certainty while still creating space for teams to have creativity in how they solve problems, I feel like that is the process that we're going to need to work our way through um, as we navigate this. Rebalancing, that is a good word. That's what I was looking for. So as we navigate that, and you mentioned there around, you know, not cutting your rit rituals and, and you know, not harming trying to create a psychologically safe team environment for your people to thrive in the connection. But do you think there are, um, you know, some rituals that need to be um, done more or prioritized? Or do you think there is some changes to the day-to-day -day operations as we become more 
um, ROI focused and we look at sort of moving quickly, anything that you think does need to change up across engineering and product? Look, I think realistically with rituals and process, I think there's always the element of you have to optimize for the environment that you're in. So you need to optimize for the business that you're in and those particular conditions that the business is operating within. And so I always think there's not a one size fits all. It's always got to be kind of balanced and adjusted. I, I think in a, in a world of increased um, focus on ROI, what you need to look at is what rituals or processes or ways of working do you have in place that creates the mechanisms to talk about what we believe the ROI is going to be, uh, how we're progressing against that. Uh, if we're if we're off track or on track, what are we doing about that? So I think it's now a lot of those mechanisms and rituals already exist in a lot of businesses. So I think potentially it's keeping um, the same things that you have in place, but it may be bringing more of a results focus into it. So making sure we're really talking about are we delivering on the results that we thought we were going to in the time frame we thought we were going to, and if not, kind of why not? So I think there'd be it's it's probably more a sharpness. I do think, look, this also falls into line with hybrid working and such an increase in hybrid working. I think as we navigate, continue to navigate that as well, we have to always look at all our meetings and all our rituals and just are they serving us well? And I think where you can, stripping back meetings is a good thing. Um, and I think where you can online collaboration and online collaboration tools um, and product managers using a lot more of, um, you know, things like whether it be kind of Confluence or, you know, Jira, whatever it is, but online tools to document their thinking where others can see it and there's a real history of it. I think like all those things are really good tools for us to continue with. Absolutely. And you mentioned there sort of the keeping track of whether you're on track or off track is I think really important. And I know sort of from a business perspective with my team at Middleton Exec, one of the things that we've implemented is daily and weekly reflections and scheduling time so that we can actually track how we're going against our goal so that we're not getting to the end of the quarter or a period of time that we've, you know, estimated for that and then go, oh no, we're completely off track now. We need to course correct. So um perhaps maybe businesses will will allow their teams that time to to reflect and and invest in making sure that we are on on track to deliver the ROI. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think reflection time is incredibly important and something that can often be overlooked, but it is the opportunity where you go, okay, even if we're doing what we said we were going to deliver, is it having the intended outcome? Is it actually doing what it was intended to do? Because if it's not, then that means we could be focusing on the wrong thing. So creating the space for that to happen is important. So what can leaders do to make sure that their teams are set up for success? Yeah, look, I think I think first and foremost, um, and it, look, it might sound a bit cliche, but I think as leaders, you have to focus first on the people and understanding who your people actually are and understanding what motivates them. And particularly at the moment, what situation are they in at the moment and how are they finding these current conditions? Because some people are thriving in this and, you know, and actually think it's kind of exciting and interesting work. And then others are like really stressed and worrying about if they're going to have a job and all those sorts of things. So I think any good leader needs to start by making sure they've got a strong relationship they're listening and they're creating a space to have just the more human conversation about how these people are showing up and how they're feeling about things and what's going on for them. 
I think from there, really what it's about doing is making sure, like part of the challenge with this current environment is there are a lot of things that feel like they're outside of our control. And when you can't control things, it starts to feel overwhelming. So I think what leaders can help with is show what can be controlled to some degree. And so what can be controlled is our priorities and what we're choosing to do and how we're going about that work. So I think, you know, product leaders making sure first and foremost, they're creating and nurturing a strong relationship with their people. I think second to that, it's really important, particularly if you're in a newer organization or if your team is going through a bit of an overhaul, that you're actually clear on what the product role is, what your expectation is within the organization. Product, as you would know, product is so different from one organization to the next. And a lot of people are often uncertain about whether they're doing a good job or not in the role, because a lot of times what happens is we leverage previous organizational experience. So I think product leaders can help that by being very open and transparent about what their expectations are and what they believe good looks like. And then I think from there, it's about making sure that your team members have very clear priorities, that they understand the why behind it, um, and that they've been set up for success in terms of the right team around them, the right clarity, a problem that they um, have the capability to go after, and then nurturing them and coaching them through actually going after and tackling that problem. So I think things to look out for that can be issues is um, stretching product people beyond their capability or their capacity. We need to be very careful when we do that because we have to understand that that means they're either going to go slower, they're potentially going to miss things, and it's our job as leaders to look at how we're setting somebody up. And so if you're knowingly doing that, you have to be really cognizant of the risks that come with that. Uh, and for me, I try to, as often as I can, I would try and avoid those situations because I like to look at each of my people. I like to look at their remit, what they're working on. And I really like to do a stress test to say, do I feel like that's an appropriate workload, the right priority for that person? And I think that's how you work out if you've got somebody that's set up for success. I love that. I think yeah, as much as you want to move fast and, and break things, you don't want to break your team or, or people, right? So yeah. it's getting getting that right. So there's obviously, you've shared heaps of insights there on what leaders can do to, to help their teams navigate this uncertainty and, and, and changing conditions. Any insights or, or thoughts on what the individuals can do? Is there anything that, that product folk or engineers can be doing differently in, in their day-to-day? I think so. I think in this environment, again, knowledge is power. And so what I would encourage all of them do, to do and something we've been working on is um, improve your commercial acumen, improve your understanding of how the business is going. You know, a lot of businesses, particularly if they're listed, businesses have to, you know, they have to do investor presentations. They have to report to the ASX. Like there is a lot of, in a lot of times, there's a lot of information out there about how the business is performing, how they make money, how their model actually works. And so I encourage everybody. I think it's important that you know that, especially in these conditions, because it can help you either feel, feel reassured or if you are feeling concerned, it can point to what exactly you should be concerned about as opposed to just a vague sense of, of, of being unsure. So I think commercial acumen and just paying attention to 
how the business is performing and what is going on, I think is very helpful. It helps when working under these environments. And I think knowing the pressure that is going on at the moment, really focusing on what are we doing and why are we doing it? So if you feel like, you know, as an engineer or as a product manager, if you feel like you're picking up pieces of work and you're unsure about the value of them, you don't really know why we're doing it, now more than ever is the time to be speaking up and really questioning that because businesses don't need us to be doing things of low value. They need us to be doing things of high value and everybody in the team can question that and challenge that and help us to make sure that um, that we're getting those ratios right. I love that, focusing on the high value task because it's in any role, it's so easy to to get distracted and busy with the doing and, and having that that focus on those high value tasks is, is super important. So given everything that, that we've discussed and, and the market conditions and, and the changing landscape, what if you had a crystal ball, what would your predictions be for the future of product management? It's a great question. I think product management is, you know, it's such an exciting uh function and industry. um, And I think it's constantly evolving. For me, where I think it's going to go to is it's obviously, you know, in my mind, it's going to continue to be extremely important to to businesses. Um, I think it is going to be extremely important that we focus on ROI, we focus on how we're delivering. So I do think in, in the current landscape and where we're moving to, continuing to find the balance between things like continuous discovery and how we go and ideate and work out what the problem actually is and how we best solve the problem combined with providing the business understanding of the ROI they're going to get from this engineering team and some level of understanding of like what problems are going to be solved continuing to marry those two together I think is going to be like a real goal of the of the product um, profession because I think what I see is there's often um, we often swing too far one way or too far the other so you swing too far into kind of a real focus on like team empowerment and the team needs to do discovery and the team needs to work out what the problem is etc and you end up with the team actually being a bit disconnected to the business and then the risk with that too is the team identifies the problems that are in front of them. And in some cases, that may not be the highest value problem for the business to be solving because the team only has um, a narrow viewpoint of the world. Swing too far the other way and you end up in a world where it is all top down and is all the business, you know, it's all the executive deciding what needs to be built and why. And then in that world, the team feels like order takers and you miss the creativity. Again, the exec can only see so much. And so even in that world, you miss the potential opportunities that teams could have identified that the exec just didn't have line of sight on. So I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. I think in this current environment, we're going to need to be able to provide some level of of certainty to businesses around what they're going to get from this important investment that they make in product and engineering. And it's our job to navigate, particularly as leaders, how we provide that certainty and that confidence, uh, but not at the expense of the creativity of the teams or the creativity of the outcomes that we deliver. And I think that is an art and a science to work out how to bring those two together. 
As you were describing the two sides there and, you know, striving for somewhere in the middle, um, I started thinking about product-led organizations. And I know it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment and um, a bit of misconception around what it means to be product-led, but it's certainly around breaking down those silos and having products sort of at the front of, of the business and teams working together. Is that the sort of utopia, the ideal state that you're describing sort of somewhere in the middle? I think so. I think so, absolutely. Because the way I see it, like if you take a role like mine, but by extension, that that could be my function as well. We often tend to be in the middle of everything because what you need to understand is you need to understand the the business, how the business makes money, the commercial model of the business, what strategic objectives it, the business is trying to achieve. You need to understand all of that. You also need to understand the customer. So you need to understand what problems the customer is facing, what opportunities exist with the customer. And then you also need to understand um, the engineering landscape. You need to understand what kind of technology you're dealing with and the state of that technology, because that can often um, either accelerate you or it can be a massive handbrake in helping you achieve your goals. And, and then also when we talk about customers, there's also a lot of internal customers. There's other functions that have requirements coming in through product. You need to understand all of that. And then you need to really bring all of that together into, okay, the business is trying to achieve these goals. Where can product and engineering play a role in achieving those goals? How much of those goals can we achieve? And what are the ways we can potentially go after it? That's really how you get to the heart of it. But you do it from a, a customer-first perspective. You do it through research and data of how customers are using your product, but you do it with the knowledge of what the business is trying to achieve. And so I think that, that in my mind, that that's how you blend the two because it's taking you know, it takes, you're, you're working from the top in terms of the business aspiration, but then you are being realistic about how you can achieve that business aspiration through solving real customer problems or real customer opportunities that you believe truly exist. I think the role of product, we need to try and paint the reality. And so what I think an important part of our role is to take the aspiration and then to take the customers and to be able to understand if we can achieve that if aspiration and if we can, how we would do it. And if we can't, it's our role to tell the business that. So I see it as our role to really pull apart the aspirations of the business, ideally achieve those aspirations, but also some of that is not really there because there's not a big enough customer pain point there or, you know, the opportunity is not as big as what we thought. I think product plays a core role in helping the business to understand that. Amazing. You shared so many insights there. Nicole, you have such a strong background in, in product and, you know, this certainly isn't the first changing landscape that I'm sure you've experienced. Um, but what would be sort of your last piece of advice for for product folk to navigate, you know, where we're at today, but also what's to come in the coming months and, and, and the future? Yeah, look, I think the main thing is, is there's probably a couple of things. Remember the product basics. And I've said this a lot to my team, like in these times where there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of focus on ROI, the best way you work out the ROI and the best way you work out the value is by using your core set of product skills and focusing on what is the problem you're trying to solve, how big is that problem, 
and then the different ideas that exist and making sure it's coming from a customer focus. So I think always go back to your product basics in your toolkit because that is going to set you up for success. I think the other part is really bear in mind in these times what your role is. And if you think about a product a product professional, most of our role is helping to achieve outcomes through execution and then also understanding where the business should head next. And I think often what happens is in these times there can be a desire or what happens is we we focus more on execution and what I always say to product people is the forward-looking piece, that is the piece that if product isn't doing that, that isn't being done. Nobody's doing that in your place. So through these times, I would just remind everybody, you've also got to have one eye on where the business is going and what you think should come next and just make sure that as best you can, you carve out some time and space for that because that is how you're doing your job properly and that is how you will add value to the business is not just in execution but helping them navigate how you get out of this and what's next for them as a business. Amazing. Nicole, it has been great talking to you today. Thank you so much. How can we stay connected with you? Uh, Great question. Uh, LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. I am more than happy. I chat to people on LinkedIn all the time. So yeah, feel free to uh, reach out to me there. Fantastic. I will include your handle in the the show notes. So thank you so much for for coming on the Product Edge, Nicole. I know you are extremely busy juggling life and mumming and work. So we really appreciate you sharing your time with us. No problem. Thank you so much. Love the chat. Thank you for listening to the Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.